Hey everybody, welcome to the Irregular Search for Truth. My name's Scott. And I'm Sachin. We may have just clipped the uh, brand new metering system of our recording. It's a sensitive recording system. I might, I might turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's point four. <laughs> Alright. How you doing, people? Good, good to hear it. Good to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're dorks. It's been a while. It's good to be back at the Irregular Search for Truth offices here in uh, beautiful San Francisco, California. Uh, when we last left you, we were on volume one. Maybe we were on volume two because we did a few episodes of the Intercontinental Irregular right, Search Right, for right, Truth. right. So this is volume three then. This is volume three. New and improved. Better than ever. Yeah, we have a few uh, changes we'll be rolling out yeah. over the course of the next few podcasts. We've got several departments uh, that want to make their... Presence stamp <laughs> on the uh, podcast forum. Uh, this should all be edited out. <laughs> we still have the boop. You'll uh, you'll all be happy to know that uh, we'll be bleeping out as usual things that are terrible. Not necessarily bad words, just just bad conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll come back to that part later. All right, so should we hear from our first department? Which department yeah, do you yeah, want to? Let's, let's talk. Uh, let's talk to. Uh, go over to. Real estate. The real estate department. Yeah. So. Um, real estate prices in San Francisco. Rental prices in San Francisco. Out of control. Going kind of nuts. Uh, Emily and I just moved into uh, a new place as we just moved back to San Francisco. Um, Actually, we found a bigger apartment for not that much more expensive and in a better neighborhood than our old place. But the process of searching around was kind of daunting. Does it make you feel like you kind of got a good deal? I think we definitely got And that your, a good land, deal. your new landlord has no idea what's going on. He seems a little. It's funny because we used to rent from one of the kind of like big property management firms. Right. And this is a guy who owns a building. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this guy doesn't look on craigslist much or right. he like he's just not as connected yeah now the building itself is a bit more old-fashioned it probably could use a little more renovation than the place that was run by the property management company a little old-timey yeah <laughs> i mean like like we don't have like a buzz-in system and stuff like that so you know we don't have electricity <laughs> there's we, oil lamps you know yeah that, well actually we don't have uh heating so he will provide us with like space heaters and stuff like oh, that. Oh wow! So it's okay. like it's a little bit older, but I mean, uh, at the same time, you know, we moved six blocks or so up the hill out of the tenderloin or out of the heart of the tenderloin at least, and so like a huge improvement in terms of the uh, crack addict <laughs> to block ratio or the like prostitute to block ratio so you're um, in like the sub ones now sort of like we're point, in, point 0.75 point 0.5 ish or uh well you occasionally get like like people like i who get lost they're like no 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 <laughs> sorry sir the clinic is that way <laughs> you do occasionally get that but i mean it's it's definitely a much more uh uh not uh homeless neighborhood <laughs> it's I well, mean, it's weird because the 
What, what do you think attracts all those people to the Tenderloin? I mean, it's not... Well, are they homeless, or they just sort of just, like, wandering? No, there, there are a lot of homeless people there, and the thing is, there are a lot of services for homeless right. people there. So right. there's there's soup kitchens, there's shelters. So if they, just shut all the sh- if they just shut all the shelters down, and the soup kitchens down, it'd be a nice place. <laughs> wow. It I, is a nice place. Is that what you're saying? I mean, no, no. It, I mean, Tenderloin is a nice place if you can get over the poo. There's lots of well, I mean, okay. Suppose, for example, I just wasn't into that. <laughs> if I wanted to make it, and I'm using air quotes here, a nice place, minus the poo, would I would I benefit by just shutting down all the services? Uh, it would certainly help the people who are trying to sell property mm. in that neighborhood. I mean, I lived there for I don't know two or three years, something like that, and. It was a uh, it was a good place to live. You did have to get used to like all the insanity. Yeah, and the and the sort of like unhygienic conditions, you know, that were all around. But it was a pretty good place. And you did have like I saw numerous fights from my street. I saw the police seriously taking people down every once in a while, like, you know, kicking you know people wow. and that sort of thing and news you can use yeah yeah you know there were there were some interesting moments but um i don't know like on the one hand i don't want to say like oh the i guess it's just sort of like a weird kind of sensitivity thing but I, like i don't want to be like oh well if you just got rid of homeless shelters that would you know, make it better because it would probably make it worse. Would it? Like before, it made it better. Well, you'd have... I mean, it's always darkest for the dawn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm being facetious just so everybody knows, but at the same time, I'm just curious. Like, it is kind of it's it's sort of an irony, right? Like, I mean, they are attracted. I mean, you know, homeless shelters attract homeless people, right? And uh, you know, like drug shelters or drug clinics attract drug addicts, mm-hmm. and those and Oddly enough, those people, I don't know, they just sort of like that kind of culture or that sort of like just presence spreads around that kind of area. It's like sort of a... Well, there's a lot. I mean, they're, they're not... It's not all the same people, but there are like overlaps in the Venn diagram. Sure. You sure, know, you've got, sure. your, you've got your homeless loop and your drug addict loop right. and your prostitute loop. And there's like there's some space in the middle. And that's the tenderloin. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. So which loop are you in? <laughs> so now that you're just next to the tenderloin. Um, yeah, we're we're just outside that. Uh, you know, you still get some people from the various loops. Right, we're near, right, right. We're near a big hospital. Yeah. Which yeah. also, you know, you get. Uh, because yeah, I mean, it's like sort of if you shut down all those clinics, and those people would not congregate around that area anymore because there's nothing there for. There for well, them. but the drug dealers would still be there, and t- like, but you might see a trickling away. Yeah. And, and I then, actually remember there was a house, an uh, actual house for sale. Uh, I think actually you and I went into that. I think that we went to it was like it a out. weird open house. Yeah, right? and and it looked like the house had had some like strange illicit deals and things going on because there were just these oddly placed interior windows so you could like look into one room or the hallway from another room and conduct business through these windows and that sort of thing and uh but i remember thinking like wow decent maybe it was a three-bedroom house or something two and a half three-bedroom house with a big basement and garage in the heart of San Francisco, 
I bet you that place was not going for, you know, more than $500,000. Right. And it's probably just uh, for the land. I mean, I probably, yeah. if you bought that or if I bought that, I would just raise it. Right. Burn it to, to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't even want to touch it. Just burn it. <laughs> and I mean, it had a really huge, like, driveway. You could probably fit, like, 10 cars in there. Well, not that many, but it was it was sizable. Yeah. It was definitely sizable. I mean, like, what I'm saying is you could just turn into a parking lot. And instantly, That's true. And, and you could instantly just cash. make money. You yeah. know, like, I mean... I don't know how much it costs to, you know, park a car downtown in San Francisco, but, you know, right. 10 cars you could fit on there. Right. Though the thing is, it's far enough removed from, like, the financial district that you're not actually going to get a lot of people wanting to drive. All I'm saying is, like, it's a pretty big lot, yeah. a pretty big driveway on top of the, the structure that was there. Yeah. You know, you could build an amazing building there, you know, of any sort. You could build a house, you could build a business or something like yeah. that. And yet, I think your point is, nobody would want to do that. Right. Right. Because it was, a like... It was a kind of gnarly corner, yeah. you know. I still walk through there every day on my way to, to the BART, and it's, uh, you know, it's. I still like the neighborhood, but at the same time, I'm like, there's something to be said for, like, people not pooing right outside your door, <laughs> you know. That was my big thing about the Tenderloin, <laughs> poo. Like, it's funny. Like, I don't mind, like, that people were always offering me drugs or, you know. Right. Uh... There were, you know, prostitutes and stuff like that. It was, it was like poo it was really. Well, that, that's. I mean, I think that's kind of what I'm saying also. Like, if you, well, maybe you should say, well, let's put a bunch of tort, like porta potties everywhere, so that people can do that. Because I mean, yeah, like if you are homeless, you know, you have to go to the bathroom. What do you do? Obviously, no store owner is gonna like really be excited about letting you into their in their business. Right. And yeah. You can't go knock on the door. Hey, man, do you mind if I use your bathroom? It's like no. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, yes, yes, I do mind. And no, you may not use my bathroom. Yeah. Go away. Well, you know what, though? It's an interesting thing, though, because there is a difference, I think, in between urban settings and people asking for things and in more rural areas. Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For like, sure. I mean, people, I mean, there's a, a higher sense of neighborliness in a rural area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I think there's sort of this, you become uh, immune, not immune, but sort of desensitized to, like, your fellow man when well, you're in, like, this, like, urban jungle, as and, it were. And also there's... I think there's a fear of the in the in the urban setting. There's a greater fear of the, you know, give them a give them an inch and they'll they'll take a whole yard or something like that. Like yeah, like oh, I do want to help this guy, but if I let him, you know, use my bathroom, is he going to shoot heroin up in there? Or well, yeah, is right. he, you know, is, I mean, they have those. Around that area, they have those like, public toilets where you can, like, pay a quarter or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, and I guess, like, you know, you go in there. I have never been in one, actually, but I sort of imagine it's just completely, like, um, non-porous materials, plastic, yeah. you know. So you go in there, it closes, you do whatever it is you were going to do in there, shoot heroin, go to the bathroom, whatever. Maybe both. And then, like, probably Get this, the most for your quarter. this huge gush of water just, like, sprays everything down, like, <laughs> You think it's that advanced? I mean, I you don't think know. That they're, like, I doubt they're really that good at self-cleaning. I don't know. I feel like then what's the point? Because I feel like the minute one person goes in, they're just going to like destroy it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then it's, it's going to be unusable. <laughs> Hate mail can be sent to irregularsearchfortruth at gmail.com. Care of Scott. <laughs> and Sajin. Um, though that uh, that actually, you know, the, the public bathroom thing i think that merits uh, the development of a new irregular search for truth department the investigative reports okay. department okay okay and we can actually do some searching all right on the irregular search for you truth. let me know how that bathroom i, turns I was gonna put you in charge of that 
<laughs> I nominated you first. <laughs> you walk by there all the time. Just I said. created the department, so I think I get to nominate who runs that. Well, this is a bureaucracy in action, isn't it? <laughs> we need an intern. <laughs> Um, Anybody who wants to go to the bathroom in San Francisco in the, in the, at the intersection of Hyde and Ellis or wherever, <laughs> let me know. Uh, applicants for our internship position can write to irregularsearchfortruth at gmail.com. You might never get a response. <laughs> um, but this isn't one like the, one of those internships where you just sit there and like get coffee. Like we will give you things. We have a list of things to do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like number one, we already we just came up with it. You could go take photos and samples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what the lab returns. But yeah, anyway, going back to like these bathrooms, it's like because there there is this problem, right? And it's like sort of like almost a humane issue. It's like well, these people are people and they need a place to go to the bathroom, like. Everybody goes to the bathroom. People go to the bathroom, right? Yeah. So, like, it's almost like, well, obviously there's poop everywhere because they have nowhere to go and nobody's going to help them out, understandably. So let's make these public toilets that they can use. But then, you know, obviously the minute that they use it or, like, ten people use it, right. it becomes yeah. destroyed, right? So yeah. it's like, well, then is it making it worse or is it making it better? Because now we have to pay somebody to go clean the bathroom. Yeah. You know? Whereas you just hose down the street. <laughs> <laughs> power washers. And There's I mean, a lot of power washing that goes on. And there's something to say for a lack of uh, privacy when it comes to people shooting up heroin, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, I mean, if you're going to, like, it's if you're, you don't want to enable them, but at the same time you want to give, like, you know, here, look, here's the bathroom. But at the same time it's like, oh, now I'm enabling, like, crime and drug use and who knows what is going on in there, right? So are you enabling people by feeding them? And giving them a place to sleep, whereas like maybe they'd go somewhere else if they can't just like show. Oh well, I'm I'll just go to the tenor line. I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, you got back up there because there's a difference between enabling somebody by giving them a I don't know access to drugs or or a, a place to you know use their drugs or something and enabling somebody by feeding them and putting them like, well no i mean you're you're enabling i mean you're okay this is not about drugs this is about going to the bathroom right, okay. right? i mean like there's you said it's like people go to the bathroom on the street all the time because they have no place to go so let's enable them let's i mean this is just a human this is a humane issue almost it's like right we should give them a place to go to the bathroom right right this thing has been turned around and made much worse well, I don't know if it has. I mean, like, I don't. We haven't done our oh, investigative you, report yet. Well, let's just assume that we have. <laughs> I mean, let me put it this, let me put it through this way. If you were in the bathroom, I give you a quarter. Would you hold it, or would you use one of these bathrooms? Uh, I would probably open up the door. If you gave me the quarter, I would check it out. All right. I might decide not to use that bathroom okay. after. But maybe they maybe they are incredibly clean and well maintained. Yeah. There's always like city street cleaning guys down there. Because they have to clean it probably like every hour. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's why they're always there. That's, That's what I'm saying, yeah. right? It's like but you don't have to clean a public bathroom every hour. You have to clean it like, you know, often because yeah. so many people use it. But I mean like Well people also like it's interesting. <laughs> Uh, I feel like in the history of the irregular search for truth, the tragedy of the commons concept has come up. I didn't a lot. want to bring it up because I felt like we've tried over that ground a lot. We, but. we have, but here we we've hit it again. I think the tragedy of the commons might be one of just those universal truths that you find. It's like the number right. e. Right. You find it in nature. Right. Quite a lot, and I think the public bathrooms even like. Let's get away from the tenderloin and picking on, you know, the tenderloin. And, okay. and Let's move into just general bathrooms. Like, no, no, seriously, like, 
public restrooms at a university at a you know at a, a sports arena wherever it's like right. there is a serious like tragedy of the commons sort of thing like oh you know I pissed on the toilet seat. I'm not gonna clean it up. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that's true. Unless you're like speaking of a certain clientele of people. Like, I mean. Ooh, I don't know. That sounds like class warfare. Well, if I if I'm I'm not I'm about nothing if not class like class warfare. <laughs> Which side of you of the 99 percent versus one are you on? Uh, I I'm on the five percent. I think. <laughs> You're in the top 5%? I have no idea. I mean, I think the top 5, 5% is a lot lower than we really think. Well, the top 1%, apparently, I read an article, is actually 300 That's what I'm saying. It's not that high. I mean, obviously, I don't... Well, it's not obvious, but I don't make that much. Not that it's your business. Or your Internet. business. <laughs> don't look at me, intern. It's not your business. No, but I, mean, I just think it's like... it's $300,000 is a lot of money, but... It's not as much as you would think when you think top 1%. You think millions and millions and millions, right? Well, but, but I mean, you got to think that the top 1% of the population of the United States is 3 million people. Yeah. So That's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, but so, still. So, I mean, I don't think anybody thought 3 million people were making millions and millions of dollars. Maybe they did. I don't know. When you say top 1%, it just makes it sound like a lot of money, right? I mean, yeah, these are like the richest true. of the richest of the rich. Yeah. Like, not the top 10%, not the top 5%, the top 1%. Yeah. So it, it just say it just goes to say at least what I'm trying to say is three hundred thousand dollars that doesn't seem like a ton of money when you're like the one percent richest person in the country. Mm-hmm. You, I I think millions and billions. But obviously, as you said, if you think about it for a little bit longer, you realize that okay, that's probably not millions and millions. It's three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So what's the top five percent or ten percent make? And I think if you live in California, just by having a job, you're already in the top like ten. Or 25%, I would say. Really? All right, a top... 25, maybe. Okay, but, top I mean, 25. Mm-hmm. But just by virtue of living here, you know, it's like everything costs way more here. Well, maybe in the Bay Area. All right. But no, if I mean, you live in San Francisco, state, if you yeah. live in San Francisco, which I do, yeah. just to live here, they have to pay you more. Yeah. Right, so just by virtue of that, I'm in the top. Difference. How do you think a city works that over time? Like, what is it that, that somehow this area has become such that, you know, is it just like an, an escalating thing? Like, hey, we could charge a little more for this. And then the next people are like, well, we have to pay a little more. And then right, we, right. we could charge a little more for this. And well, it's it just, just supply and demand, right? I mean, people want to live here. Hmm. I don't want to name a city where people don't want to live, but there's plenty of examples, I think. <laughs> wow. Where's the rent low? People don't want to live there. We, we've, we've like we're really short ways into volume three, and uh, we have already done the tragedy of the commons, and we've been rather offensive. I don't know if that's offensive. It's just like it's just supply and demand, right? It's just economics. That's true. It's a dismal science, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't to tell you. But yeah, I mean everything's just more expensive here, so therefore you're in. You're, you make more than most people, I feel, doing the exact same work. Mm. And me, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, so luck, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a, you know, a stable profession or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I do make a little more than, like, the person next... I don't know. In this city, actually, I'm not even that. I mean, I, there's all sorts of lawyers and financiers here and other people, you know, who do things that I don't even understand and make a lot more money than I do. Whereas, like, maybe if I lived out in the suburbs or something like that, I might be surrounded by more 
down-to-earth people as opposed to people who like make tons and tons of money i guess right mm. but in a financial center like san francisco you're going to be surrounded by people who make so much money mm. and people who poop on the street it's a dichotomy isn't it yeah it's a strange uh strange disparity there what do you feel moving on from the real estate department what do you think about this whole uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street thing? 99%, 1%, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't really have an opinion on it. It's yeah. odd. Maybe I should. Maybe I don't. I don't feel, I don't like, feel like that it's contra- that controversial. It's like, yeah, people are up in arms. And they should be. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. You know, I mean, I don't... And anytime you have a protest, this is what's going to happen, right? People are going to occupy something, and then the police are going to come in and, like, get all mad, and then they're going to, like, fight back and stuff. Well, do you think that this is going to go anywhere? Like, is it going to create any any actual change, or is it going to create a permanent institution or a, or a potentially permanent institution in the vein of, like, the Tea Party, which was sort of... I think at first it was just sort of seen as like, oh, this is a little protest. Now it's kind of a wing of you know, I was the gonna, Republican I was gonna, Party. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it's. I feel like it's too early to tell. Yeah. Only because this is exactly how the Tea Party stood out. It's definitely too early to tell. I want your best guess. <laughs> <laughs> I want your prediction. Lay it on the line. All What's right. going to happen with Occupy Wall Street? Oh, uh, boy. If you had asked me, okay, I'm going to hedge a little bit, but if you had asked me like a month ago, I would have said nothing because it just seemed like it was right. just this one thing and it was fizzling. Yeah. But just, I think just a few weeks ago, it's, it's spread across the world, right? I mean, yeah. it's across the country now. I've seen a couple people in San Francisco, you know, hanging out and I mean, apparently it's in Not like... Not many because most of the people in San Francisco are in the 1%, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's cold here. Uh. <laughs> But, uh, like, you know, I saw these, ro- apparently there's, like, protests and, like, riots in, ro- in uh, Rome or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's hard to say whether it's connected to this 1% thing or not, but, uh, I mean... Well, there's a lot of, like, anarchists, too, who just sort of are looking piggyback for... And, yeah, looking for uh, a good time. Well, and, and you could say the same for the Tea Party. There's a lot of racists and, like, you know, like, a lot of, like... <laughs> <laughs> I think that most Tea Party people would call that a gross uh, misportrayal of the well, Tea Party. Well, and, but... and the same for the anarchists, right? Well, no, but I, I think that people who are anarchists define themselves as anarchists. Okay, they say, fine, like, but I, mean, I am an anarchist. But, but I very few people are like, I'm a racist. All right, well, I don't think there's a lot of anarchists at the one percent. I think there's just a lot of bunch of people, a bunch of like, uh, well, I, I can't even characterize them. I'm just saying, like, if you were to make fun of them, mm-hmm. say, oh, it's just a bunch of hippies, or a bunch of like, you know, do nothings, or a bunch of like, you know, liberal hippie people who have, you know, I, I can't even come up with the words. I'm just like, uh, what? what if I was stodge, like a stodgy old curmudgeon, and I was like uh, angry at those people, what I call, what would I call them? I already said hippie. Stoners. I already said stoners, slackers, mm-hmm. do nothings, peaceniks. <laughs> you know, and I think they are, you know, and good for them. But I mean, it's just like I said, the same way that, or like you said, the team, the same, the same way the Tea Party started out, it started out this way with a bunch of angry people with sort of misplaced and and undirected rage mm-hmm. right and they're not helping their cause by having by like self-proclaiming that they have no leader mm-hmm. and they have no direction although the tea party did that also i think yeah so I, it's just really hard to say i feel like nothing's going to come of it because 
it almost makes too much sense what they're saying. Mm. Whereas, you know, the Tea Party, it made no sense what they were saying. Wait, what, what makes too much sense what they're saying? Like, uh, dig a little deeper there. Like, what is it that they're saying? That well, you hear sense? about all these people. I mean, they're, they're angry about so many things. Yeah. Right? But I think mean, they're angry about how, yeah, like the top 1% don't pay enough taxes. Mm-hmm. And enough, of course, is a very subjective word. Mm-hmm. What is the proper amount of taxes ever? Is it a theoretical number? Is it is it a moral number? Is it an internal number that you just feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm these people are finally paying the right amount of taxes. Mm-hmm. Is it 70? Is it 40? Is it 12? Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Should it be flat? They're angry about these wars, I think. They're angry about, you know, the bailouts, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. They're angry about these, like, corporations who basically, you know, we live and die, like, the economy, the country, the mood, just, like, we live and die by by how the stock market does. Yeah. You know, it's like Morgan Stanley or, you know, um, Lehman Brothers or whoever it is loses a billion dollars one quarter, stocks go down. Everybody's depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, like, you know, people don't buy as much or, like, Christmas is no good this year because, you know, it's <laughs> like nobody has enough money. And it's like, well, your money didn't go anywhere. You didn't have any anyway. It was just yeah. a piece of paper, right? I mean, it's like your stock, you don't have, why do you care? <laughs> just go buy, right? I think maybe we should have a, a for Christmas when Christmas is a, a bad Christmas we should have like a an evil like anti Santa <laughs> like what if there are, what if Santa had a villain that would be pretty good he does I think it's uh Hanukkah Harry <laughs> that's right <laughs> or Satan one or the other <laughs> or the Easter Bunny perhaps mm. but yeah I, I think he's one percent people I mean I guess I'm kind of on their side. I, 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 it seems like a lot of people are coming quote, coming out on, on the internet, like these celebrities are like, I'm with the 1% or these 99%ers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, I don't know. They have no actual purpose or direction. So. Well, celebrities are always so well informed, too. That... Well, some of them are, but. So I guess I, I don't think it'll actually turn into anything. You heard it here first, folks. Such and thanks. That the, whatever it's called, Occupy Wall Street movement isn't going to really turn into anything. Yeah, I guess I think that. All right. Because, well, because of what I said. All right. What do you think? Bloody revolution. <laughs> you think bloody revolution? Heads are going to roll. No. Uh, no, I think, I think if anything, what could happen is a, a bit more of a, like, galvanizing... Uh, rallying cry or uh, maybe maybe some leaders could emerge but like you said when a movement doesn't have any clearly stated goals and they're just sort of expressing a general emotion you need people to show to step up and take leadership or or help direct uh, the movement or, I mean, maybe it could just continue in this sort of amorphous state, but that won't ever enact any change. For change to happen, you need to have clearly defined either, you know, problem statement or solution, you know. Well, you know, I mean, here's, but I, I guess I'd point this out. I feel like what you're saying is the same, is was was equally true about the Tea Party. Mm-hmm. No, no clear leader. Yeah, no but, then, clear, but then you got the Tea Party favorites popped out. Well, those, those are people who are latching on to that. Those are people who are like latching on the coattails of that. I yeah. mean, so there could be some politician who easily could yeah. do the same thing for these right. one percenters or right. nine percenters. So it's like, will that happen? I guess yes or no. Yeah. 
So that, that's more of a question. But I guess the reason I feel like the, what you said is the same for the Tea Party. No clear leader until somebody like, you know, popped up. No clear purpose, no clear organization mm -hmm. and no clear actual goals. Mm -hmm. But they were still angry nonetheless. And I felt like maybe if you wanted to differentiate the two, it's just the people, the Tea Party people were angry about stuff that people are always angry about, fun, or uh, sort of like conservatives are angry about. And it's it's sort of this gut, gut-wrenching sort of like emotion, right? It's like religion, right? Because they were really, I mean, you for a long time, they were like talking about Barack Hussein Obama and how he's a Muslim and all this mm -hmm. stuff, right? They are talking about like America, you know, how in America is like lost his glory, right? And, it, and they're talking about the flag and guns, you know, and how like the rights are being infringed upon and mm -hmm. all that stuff. You know, I think that's the stuff that people can rally around like these whatever their demands are or are not mm -hmm. they had these sort of like they were symbolic all just causes. they were all very like symbolically embroiled in the cause you know mm -hmm. they that's what they that's what they latched onto and whatever it was they were united by this sort of like fear value anger you know thing mm -hmm. whereas these 99 percenters are basically communists <laughs> right. I think that's a huge leap. Is it? I mean, like, basically, the morals that they're like grasping onto are like, you know, they don't pay. The rich don't pay enough. You know, we're working hard. They're screwing us over. We have no rights. Yeah, we feel disenfranchised, which is very like, like populist, very like communist, like kind of. Well, well, all right, but there's there's a big difference between saying that some people don't pay their share and communism which is a uh collectivization of ownership all right well maybe i should i mean okay i think if you want to take the technical technical term of communism you're right they're not but i mean i'm gonna pull the technical one on. all right fine. that's a technical foul well, well, we'll, we'll go with like marxism or like classism or like socialism any of mm -hmm. those sort of like basically for the people of the people movements where people are feeling like they're being disenfranchised and, you know, it's turning into a feudal society. Mm. Is that, are, are you cool with that? Or uh, feudalism. What, are you for it or against it? They're going to go with anti. Yeah, anti-feudal, huh? What if you got to be part of the nobility? I, I, would, I would fight it from the inside. All right. Well, there you go. There's a, there's a good I would, I would right accept there. the uh, I would accept the title. <laughs> And uh, I would ruthlessly repress my own serfs, <laughs> but I would secretly and surreptitiously enable other nobilities' serfs. So would you actually just be trying to undo the other nobility so you could be the sole leader, or no, or no, would you no? Be trying I, to... I would, I would, I would uh, only, I would just cause revolution throughout the entire kingdom, but for my my tiny feudal feudal area you'd be more effective if you trained your serfs to go and Infiltrate. train yes yeah, the possible other serfs. i mean i might do that too i might do that as long as it's not within my own like nobility so you would you want to hold on to your own realm no 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 like i said i, mean, like, I mean you're you're holding on to your piece of property no, i'm just saying if i've given this title and i've given this money you know like how could i best serve the people really right by using it Yes, by using it. You know, it's just like, I mean, this is just what, you know, imagine me supplying arms to the Contra rebels, you know? It's the same thing. It's totally cool. It's totally cool? <laughs> totally worked out. Hmm. Uh, let's scratch that part. Scratch that uh, part. <laughs>
Anyway, new department perhaps? Yeah, let's let's switch over to a different department. We got uh, geography. Geography. Which one's that? That's the uh, I think a rock. Ah, uh, well, that's that's sort of tagging on to. All that. right, let's, all right. No, 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 no. Or I mean, or mathematics, which is the straight lines. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's start geography. This because this is sort of a historic moment. Okay. And the irregular search for truth should acknowledge these moments, even if we only do them or publish them a month after. Um, <laughs> And that is that today, uh, President Barack Obama announced that the war in Iraq is ending. Barack Hussein Obama. Barack Hussein Obama. Right. Closet Muslim. Right. Not born in the United States. Closet communist. Yeah, definitely communist material. Um, uh, so the war in Iraq is ending. Uh, they're bringing all the troops back. By the end of this year, which this, is only like is, is it two, this year? Okay, I yeah. think so. I think I guess I realized I forgot that today is October twenty second. Yes. Yeah. October twenty second, two thousand and eleven. No, twenty first. Twenty first. Twenty first. My watch is on that stuff. All right, cool. That's a big deal, I guess, because that gives them two and a half months to bring everybody back. Now they're already down to like. 30,000 or something. Oh, like is that. it that low? Okay, cool. But they're, and they're going to leave 150 or so there. But I, I read that that was just like uh, to supplement the embassy, right? Well, and also, yeah, and they said also to manage weapons sales. Right, yeah, I think a, I read that. I don't really care thing. for that either. Yeah, but. yeah. Now, here's some, here's some facts that I uh, found. They're rough facts. But uh, the war in Iraq has caused cost over 700 billion dollars yeah uh over 4,400 u.s military casualties or lives uh i guess i guess if you're injured you're a casualty okay but if you're killed you're also a casualty but you're it's a venn diagram yeah yeah it's a venn diagram so 4,400 u.s military personnel dead and over 100,000 civilian deaths that's including uh like the contractors, uh, contractors, and, and Americans, and but that's uh, more probably like wait, hundred thousand contract civilians? Oh, no, no, no. That's mostly Iraqi. Yeah, I was gonna say, is but, it only a hundred thousand? Oh well, the estimates vary widely, um, but the lowest estimate was uh, right around a hundred thousand. So we at least a hundred thousand people uh, died. Um, the war started in two thousand three. So that puts it at what about eight years almost? Yeah, that's that's a long war. Yeah, and I guess I would put quotes around that war because I don't think much of it was a war, right? I mean, they toppled, mission accomplished happened. Oh yeah, I forgot you know, about and then that. it was just basically like nation building for yeah. about eight years or yeah. seven, maybe we'll call it six even, right? Yeah. Fighting insurgents and stuff like that. That's not a war, right? I mean, right. it's obviously life and death, you mm-hmm. know, and shooting and scariness and all and horrible, but. You know, you're just basically trying to. What are you trying to do? What were they trying to do? I don't know. I mean, they, I think they want what it was was trying to make them feel better about themselves. Well, I mean, you go back to the original reasons for entry. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean. And they said it was there were weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction, contacts to or connections with Al Qaeda. Right. And Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. It turned out that only one of those was true, and that was that Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. Right, and even then, yeah, you know, but he was at least had a stable country. 
<laughs> so I don't know about that. Like he was, I mean, he was a really bad guy. If nah. you read about, if you read about like the stuff he did over the course of his regime, he was a very, very bad. But guy. But all those guys are bad guys. <laughs> what do you mean? You might want to clarify that because we might get some hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like I mean, as we've seen with this quote, quote Arab Spring and going mm-hmm. on to the fall, they're all bad guys. All the dictators. Yeah. Oh. Right? I mean, okay. I mean, if you're gonna, where does it stop? You know, are we gonna? So we took down Iraq. I guess we should go into Libya now. I mean, we luckily I was taken care of for us. <laughs> you know, but I guess we should go into Syria now, and then we should go into Iran next, and then we should go into Saudi Arabia, and then we should go to Yemen, and then. We are you go, advocating military action in these? I'm just places? saying by that logic. Oh, okay. <laughs> by the by the logic that took us into Iraq. Yeah. Okay. Namely the he's a bad guy logic. Okay. All right. Well then, I guess I guess to balance out the he's a bad guy thing, there's sort of the real politic issues of oil. And, well, that's yeah, you know, and that's that, just embarrassing, right? <laughs> well, it's embarrassing, but it's it's like that's what you're really dealing with, and which which if you bring it back, the whole representative democracy thing that we have here, there's these connections that I think would be interesting to see see drawn between the demands of constituents of a representative when things get out of hand, like oil prices and you know things getting shipped around and like the things that actually affect you from what happened across the world are things like gas prices and the arrival of goods yeah uh you know the cost of of goods and and that sort of thing and uh where that kind of ugly side of of politics and war get involved is well somebody decided that uh, yeah, it's a, a lot better excuses are that, you know, there was weapons of mass destruction, Al-Qaeda, and Saddam Hussein's this evil man. But also, it's like, well, there are a bunch of other countries that have those same things, or you could you could exactly. construe those, exactly. but we didn't go and invade them. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, I guess that's my point, right? It's like, let's not kid ourselves that any of those were legitimate reasons to go in and take over another country, bad guy or not. You know, it's it's not it's still not even clear to me what they were thinking. It's still not even clear because they. I mean, I don't know. We just the other day we were talking about this at lunch uh, at my work. I think there's a video and even like uh, Dick Cheney himself like wrote, um, uh, I don't know, a treatise on it, whatever. Like back in like 1990, whatever it was, three during the first time around. He's mm. like, and I saw this on video. I saw him talking about this like on C-SPAN. He's like, there's no way we would go in the rock and take over. It doesn't make any sense because the amount of nation building that would have to go on, the amount of like infrastructure that we would have to provide, it's just it's just crazy. Hmm. It's like, well, who are you, and why did where did you go? You know, like you're the guy who did this. You know, it it doesn't make it. I, I'm just I guess I'm still angry about it. It just doesn't make any sense. And like to use any of these bogus terms like or like justifications for going in there, I mean, just forget it. It's just say it was a mistake, and we're and it, and it's it's now it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, to me, like, I mean, sure, I support the troops and all this stuff, but 4,400 casualties is the least of my concerns up against a number which is two orders of magnitude bigger. 100,000 100, civilian casualties. Those are like basically innocent Iraqis who just are dead now. And like, I mean, each one of those people had families. And I mean, you got to imagine like two or three people per family who have just lost somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, like, th- for what? 
I don't know. I guess I'm just angry. I, it, I'm glad that it's over. I really, actually, I'm just interested to see what's going to happen. Is that country going to fall apart again? Mm-hmm. You know, after all that effort, after all that... It's funny, people are using this word treasure now. After all that, we've lost all this treasure. We spent all our treasure on it. Really? I've, I've not heard yeah, that. Yeah, they've been talking about, like, basically, like, you know, blood, oil, and treasure is what we've spent on this war. Blood, oil, and treasure. I mean, our blood, you know, oh. the basically, like, this economy is, like, I don't know if you could blame it exclusively on this war, Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think there was a lot of domestic stuff going on in our economy that was. Yeah, but the wars, I mean, are a big part of it. I guess you could say. Well, the war is a big part of why the government is going into debt. But I mean, like the the things like our housing markets and just like sure everything and, in a, in our economy was overinflated. Like the the war was was a part of it, definitely. Well, yeah. So not, anyway, a, a significant part. No. You know, I mean, like more than one percent or ten percent. Seven hundred billion dollars over the course of. Plus interest. Yeah. Seven or eight years. You know, and then, I mean, just, you just have to hope that it doesn't fall apart the minute they walk away. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, January 1st or even February 15th or whatever day it is, you know, hopefully these elements start creeping back in. You know, I mean, Al Qaeda wasn't in Iraq when we went in. Right. And now they are. Mm. Is that. I should stop talking about it. It's a new topic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just. Ooh, volume three is off to a rough start, I gotta say. Right. Oh my god! So... Let's uh, let's go over to the world of sports. <laughs> so, so we're gonna talk about the World Series or something, right? Or uh, I saw Moneyball. Oh yeah, that was a good movie. All right. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it. <laughs> Moneyball, starring Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Uh, Moneyball is based on a book. And that talked about um, Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, and the book talked about how uh, these guys use saber metrics, which is basically statistical analysis uh, to um, to think about uh, who you hire and fire on a baseball team and, and how you put together a winning team uh, for less money. And and so the long story short is over the last ten years. Uh, what manager, general managers have looked for in assembling a team has changed. But what it, it didn't necessarily result in is for a while, because the poorer teams were ahead of the curve on this, they were winning over the richer teams. Right. But it swings back. So now it's sort of like normalized. Well, yeah, or it is normalizing, I guess. Uh, but anyway, the movie Moneyball... I would say uh, overall, uh, probably the best movie I have seen that has no plot. <laughs> well, that's that's quite a caveat. <laughs> How about can you back off the the no plot part? Then and compare it to movies with plots. Yeah, it was better than quite a few of them. Okay, so I mean, uh, like, yeah. it was better than most movies. Well, no, I mean, it, I don't want to go there, but it was it was it was a pretty good movie. I okay. The last few movies I've seen, Moneyball, Captain America, Bridesmaids, uh, Our Idiot Brother. I think those are the last four movies I've seen. I would say that uh, Moneyball was definitely better than Captain America, and it was, uh, I don't know, I put Bridesmaids and Our Idiot Brother sort of close to each other. It's almost like apples and oranges, right? Yeah, well, no, they're, oh, to compare Moneyball to them? Yeah. Yeah, 
those two are quite similar in a way, though I would say Bridesmaids was a little better pulled off. Um, and Moneyball is, yeah, you're right. It's it's a totally different kind of movie because it doesn't have a plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, can you name like three movies without a plot? Um, Fahrenheit 9/11. But those documentaries. Bowling right? for Colin. So okay, you're like talking about documentaries. <laughs> so you're talking about a drama. You're comparing a documentary to a docu to a dramatized documentary. Uh, sort of. Actually, that's almost what it is. But here's the thing, like. It's like, like America's a Most of, Wanted. A lot of a lot of documentaries do actually have plots, and they have they follow stories. Well, narrative, yeah, right. yeah. There's 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 a story going on there. I just thought it was it was actually I found it a pretty good movie, and I was yeah, I I've was heard pleased. it was good. I haven't seen uh, it. Yeah, I, I was very pleased with it. But I, afterwards, I was sort of like that was really interesting because there was not a significant <clears throat> plot arc. Like there were there was well, elements of interhuman conflict. Which wasn't it the of, narrative of the season? Not really, because you don't see a lot of. I mean, you baseball is central, but it's not like you're you're watching baseball throughout right, the, right. the movie. You there's there's right. a few baseball scenes, and it's about how the character that Brad Pitt plays sort of deals with these people around him who don't see what he's going for. Yeah. Uh, Did you see the Social Network? No, no. Okay. Was that? I mean, similar? I don't. I'm just. I, I, unfortunately, I've seen it. And you haven't. And I haven't seen Moneyball, and you have. <laughs> so, but it was written by Aaron Sorkin, wasn't it? Moneyball. Uh, the book or the movie? The the screenplay. I don't, maybe. Oh, this would be much better if I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say it was. That's all from the world of sports. <laughs> oh, but but actually, what I wanted to talk about with with Moneyball was that uh, the sort of what. At least the tagline that that I heard, um, not so much with the the movie, but with the books, is using the tools of economics right. in a field outside of economics. And I hear that a lot from like kind of uh, uh, modern the modern field of economics and sort of poppy I, books on economics. If like you look to your right. If you look to your right. Have you read this? <laughs> I have read this. Okay, so it's using the tools of of economics, but I think that's like. That's kind of the the field of economics claiming a little more than it it owns. Like it's really using statistics. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, what does economics do but look at a bunch of numbers and extract meaning from them? I guess. Right. Or or plot. You know, try and come up with uh, uh, tendencies and models that yeah, might models. predict what happened. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what yeah. you could say a lot of statistics is. But that, yeah, but you use that in all sciences. Right. You know, you, you come up with growth models in plant science and, yeah, and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. It might be that, did I mean, I really don't know anything about Billy Bean, but did he have a background in economics or something like that? No, he actually, the, the movie sort of goes into it. He didn't, uh, he didn't go to college. He was offered a full ride at Stanford, but he went into major leagues. Okay. And but the thing was because and they they sort of put that they try and they, there's sort of a plot, but it's like they flash back to young Billy Bean, and he is touted as this great prospect. Okay. Because he's what all the scouts were always looking for. Ah. This guy who can do it all in baseball. But it and, didn't pan out. But it didn't pan out. And so he, he was, realized yeah. that it's more than just having those criteria. Yeah. Yeah, or or that those criteria that scouts were traditionally looking for weren't the criteria that actually made a good baseball player. Yeah, I will say this about. I mean, I have read it for economics just mm-hmm. recently. Uh, actually, a, a 
one of our treasured listeners lent it to me. Oh, so nice. So, like, shout out to uh, our treasured listener. Treasure. Treasure. <laughs> but I that think... I got spent in Iraq. <laughs> I think uh, what it seemed like he was making a point was economists, economists um, might focus on people's actually motivations for doing things. You know, like, it's, it's very, like, supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very odd that prices should go up but why should they go up because people are motivated to buy things it's just and people would sort of like do things for their own interest Mm -hmm. which is it's an odd sort of i feel like that's why it's called a disciple science (laughs) (laughs) i took a couple of economics classes in college and i remember i think it was einstein who said it or something that economics is a disciple science Hmm. i think he said that uh there's a lot of factual inaccuracies in this podcast but that's uh, yeah that's search. we're searching for truth not facts somebody said it but uh it's like because you are boiling everything down to like it's why communism had has a hard time catching on or at least intuitively working for people why would i do this what is my motivation to work harder mm-hmm. for the common good that's not motivation <laughs> <laughs> i need something from me right uh-huh. and the, the, the scouts are motivated to get somebody of this particular thing, you know, X, Y, Z talents. And it's like, maybe it's, that's not what drives baseball to be good. You know, I mean, it's, I think I'm, I'm really going out on an edge here, but I think the reason I'm doing that is I think economics is not necessarily statistics, but it sort of applies statistics and also a little bit of psychology. Hmm. And I think somewhere there's a little creative, creative energy to sort of like find how you can make both those things work to explain what you're looking for. Mm. And maybe in that sense, you know, if I had seen this movie, be, my point might be even more stronger. But in Moneyball, he was able to sort of like find this, what motiv- what actually makes a team win, you know? And oh, it's it's not this model doesn't work anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that that exactly comes up in the movie. It's like what makes a team win, and it's like, well, you get guys on base. Right. And then like, oh, you know, <laughs> zing. And they kind of oversimplified, I think, for for the viewing right, audience, right, right, right. you know, and, and that sort of thing. But it was, it was, overall, I gave Moneyball a thumbs up. Uh, and uh, Freakonomics, I also give that a thumbs up. How you do you read it, though? I read it, yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. 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 I read it. Uh, I guess I'll go, uh, you know, for, a la- for, for the sake of rehashing topics that I've railed on before, mm-hmm. Freakonomics reminds me of books written by Malcolm Gladwell. Hmm. Who, if you recall... Yeah, the tipping point guy. The tipping point guy, but also, if you remember, the the last time I got angry... Well, probably not the last time, but I got angry about the the basketball team. The little kid's basketball team that played full-court press. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Malcolm Gladwell writes all these like really interesting articles and points out really interesting phenomenon in society, yeah. as they did in Freakonomics. One thing I will give credit, Freakonomics credit a little bit was there's a little more like sort of synthesis beyond the analysis mm-hmm. it was sort of like look at this interesting thing would you have ever expected it and then that's where Malcolm Gladwell will stop mm-hmm. whereas like I think these guys will go a little further and say well okay now that you know this don't worry about this or mm-hmm. like don't waste your time spending all your time making this better when that doesn't make a difference there's a little bit of that but it's also a little bit of like yeah everything you thought all your intuition to intuitions and all the sort of like ideas you had about how society work they don't work that's, <laughs> that's not what it is <laughs> sucks you know your whole world's been turned down what's for dinner you know it's <laughs> like how do I deal with this how do I process that my whole world's been turned upside down how do I process that I'm trying to think of some examples from the, the book like for example I think there's a chapter 
um, about why crack dealers or they drug dealers live with their mothers. Right. It's like, well, you, well, obviously it's because they, they, I mean, they're drug dealers, so they make money. It's like, well, no, they're not because they don't make money. Only yeah. 1% of them make money. But because the payoff is so big, psychologically, they're motivated to do that. And that kind of makes you understand, well, whatever, you know, and like, and then it talks about crime and how like there's a big drop in like the, uh, whatever it was, like the nineties and how it had to do with, well, that was exactly, you know, whatever it was, 18, 20 years after Roe versus Wade was passed. Mm-hmm. It's like, so you're telling me because all these abortions are now legal that crime lowered. It's like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and they listed all these 10 things that people commonly think reasons why crime went down. It's like more police, more funding, smarter cops, more this, more yeah. that. It's like, all those make sense. And I totally support them, but not really what helped it. Right. right. You know, and it's like, oh, well, I don't know anything anymore. The I, thing, I, I read this, I read this a couple years ago and, uh, that one, like, I thought he did a good job of proving that the things like more police, more cops, or those are the same thing, um, you know, more patrols, whatever, didn't necessarily prove it. But I didn't think he did a great job of showing that the Roe versus Wade decision also was, in, in fact, the, the cause. I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, didn't, I guess I didn't, like... Uh go too far into it right but I, yeah. I, so i just try you know i was like okay fine you know so i read it and it's like that's how oh, it's interesting you know my whole world's upside down and i moved on i guess you uh-huh. know? oh so your whole world wasn't upside down then. no it is i mean it's it's just that i don't know what to do with it i don't know what the okay now if i was the mayor of a city and there was crime i would have no idea what to do you know how do we lower crime For, I, well we could go back in time and <laughs> like, encourage people to have abortions or I don't know what to do. You know? <laughs> we need to start a research and development program for time machines. Time abortions. Get an intern on it. That's two things. <laughs> Look, we just need to put a few interns on this now. Even if it takes them 100 years to figure it out, they can come back in time, fix everything, and then we're set. So yeah. just let it, just as long as we get a couple interns Look, on it. We then. need interns. <laughs> Applications can be sent to irregularsearchfortruth at gmail.com. But that, I guess that's my issue. Like, if I ever was to try to solve a problem, I would be so, I would be so scared to try anything because it would just show that, like, whatever. I know that you think that makes sense. I know that you're hungry, and so therefore it makes sense to drink this glass of milk right now. But no, that's not why you're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, or actually, milk is the worst thing you could drink well, right no, now. Well, no, but I think know? I think what the what the book does well was. Uh, or, or why you shouldn't feel that your whole world is turned upside down. It's, it's just that you need to find the true cause of <clears throat> phenomena. Well, no, for sure. But it's, you know? it's like uh, this per- sort of decision paralysis where you have to, I mean, it's, he's a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody figured this link out. You know, so, I mean, what are you to do? I mean, how could you possibly figure out this is why crime is going down? You look at all the things you have around you and you say, well... You know, this broken window theory, I think that was one of, like, Rudy Giuliani's, Rudy Giuliani's, like, major uh, things. You know, if you see a broken window or if there's graffiti up, immediately fix it. Because that, it just invites more crime and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. But it makes sense. Yeah. You know, and, like, until you do it, how will you know? Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it just makes it difficult because we, I mean, all the things that they, they, they mentioned make a lot of sense. I, I think they did show that having more police on the street did help, yeah. but that was not the significant 
right. like factor. It was statistically just statistically significant. Right. Yeah. It's it's just like it might have contributed to five percent of the, the decline or something like that. But the the overwhelming lion's share of the, the the thing was you know, and it's like, and it was during the '90s, so like the economy being better, people were taking credit for that. You know, obviously Bill Clinton was in office and the internet was going crazy mm-hmm. and the economy is on fire. Oh, it's all you know, we're doing a good job and. They showed that, like, uh, it was Mayor Dinkins before Rudy Giuliani who pushed him to get more cops in the street. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, who's going to take credit for it? How can we possibly know what we did right and wrong until 20 years pass, and then we run all the statistics, and then we find out what happened? Mm-hmm. It's just difficult. I, I, it's just... I, maybe it's just I'm a control freak, and if I can't understand what I'm doing and why, then it, like, maybe it just it rocks my mind, and, you know, I just I need to, like, go... I need to, like, put my head down because I just can't handle the change or something, you know? <laughs> I don't know. These books kind of anger me for some reason because there's no, there's no like, this is what you need to do and this is why you need to do it and this mm-hmm. is how it works. It's just sort of like, yeah, no, that's not why. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you for telling me that I'm wrong. But it didn't provide you with a There's no, no a clear solution. path forward. There's mm-hmm. no clear, like, here's what I should do in the future. Well, that's right? that's just coming full circle here. That's what the, uh, the Occupy Wall Street is, isn't it? It's like, uh, here's what we don't like. Where's the solution? Well, you know, and, and I think I have read a couple, like... Uh, quote demand pages on the webs on the oh, web yeah. anyway right and it's like ridiculous stuff it's yeah. just stuff that like yeah that's not gonna happen <laughs> you know come on can we have some re- reasonable like requests here yeah. you know i i wish i could think of one right now but it, it's something ridiculous like ugh, i don't know I'm trying to think of stuff right now, and none of it's like unreasonable. Like, <laughs> in fact, like, there were very reasonable requests. No, no, it's just I was like, I'm trying to think of something outlandish that would never fly, you know, oh. in Congress, and it's like, no, that that's a reasonable request. Like, indict all the people on Wall Street. You know what? That's reasonable. You know, mm. like, raise taxes. Well, that's reasonable too. But that's not. It was like something more crazy. I, mm. I wish I could think of it right now. It's just, it's just you have to like suggest. Well, I guess when you're in a negotiation, you don't suggest what you actually want or what's reasonable. You suggest something outlandish so that you can move from the outside in. Right? So mm. you can meet in the middle. Mm. That could be the new department, the co- negotiation for next week. That's, tune in next week. And by next week, I mean a month or more <laughs> from now. From an, from an unspecified time from now. <laughs> yes. Not less than one week from now. Yes. Uh, for another episode of The Irregular Search for Truth with multiple departments. Till then, I'm Scott. I'm Sachin. Take it easy.